Midnight in Karachi with Mavish Murad on tour.com. With me today is dark fantasy and horror writer Tim Leban, who has previously won the Stoker Award for his story Reconstructing Amy in 2001 and the August Derleth Award in 2007 for Dusk. He is also the writer of many, many best-selling books, including movie tie-ins. His Assassin's Novellas, Pieces of Hate and A Whisper of Southern Lights are now being published by Tor.com. Tim, welcome to Midnight in Karachi. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, I know the Assassin's series was previously published, and now with Tor.com, it's Pieces of Hate as Assassin's Number 1 and A Whisper of Southern Lights as Assassin's Number 2. And Dead Man's Hand is a bonus story, I believe, that comes up first. That's right, yeah. I mean, originally Dead Man's Hand was published first, and then and then it was Pieces of Hate and then Whisper of Southern Lights. So when they were published originally, probably 10 years ago, by Necessary Evil Press, that, that was the order they were published in. Um, when Tor picked them up, I think Dead Man's Hand was probably more of a long short story than a, no- than a novella. So um, they decided to put that in together with, with Pieces of Hate as a sort of a bonus story. But but in effect, it's it's the first story I wrote in the series, yeah. Now, will you tell us a little bit about the series, what the initial premise was for you and what sparked it and how they came to be? Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing a series of novellas featuring the same characters. Uh, I was working with Necessary Evil Press at the time, um, run by a guy called Don Koish, who, who were putting out some really lovely limited edition books, as well as some nice, uh, nicely designed chapbooks. And Don was great to work with. He he was very, very particular, very, very detailed in his publishing. Um, so so I wanted to do this series with featuring, you know, the same characters and the idea of a supernatural assassin sort of struck me as probably not completely original. But at the time, there were, there were lots of supernatural detectives around. So I thought, let's go the other way and have a supernatural assassin. Um, and I liked I also liked the idea of tying it in with historical facts. So so this assassin was um, living a long time and, and generally passing his time being hired to, to kill people and, 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 you know, from from history. So the first dead man's hand, he's um, he's involved in the murder of Wild Bill Hickok, for instance. So it just seemed like a cool idea. And, and also you can't have a supernatural assassin without somebody chasing him. So that that was uh, that's Gabriel. That's how Gabriel came to be. There were no real changes. I mean, I I um, obviously Tor edited the books, Line edited them. Um, they were in pretty good shape anyway from when Don had published them. So I, I sort of if I have stuff republished, occasion, which I occasionally do have stories reprinted, I, I sort of tend to um, resist the temptation to to go back and rewrite. Um, I, I think it's nice to to leave them out as they are, really, and and so there were no real temptations. I mean, I'm the hope is obviously that this is a series I've always I've always wanted to be longer than three novellas. So um, obviously we're going to have to see what happens with that. Are there more stories in your head still existing in this world? Um, I had quite a list of. I mean that involving sort of uh, assassinations or attempted assassin- assassinations through history there's quite a list of places these characters could go and things they could do um and i also have a sort of a end story in mind as well so um although it's not mapped out accurately there it could be there could be any number of novellas or short stories or novelettes in in the series i think so um yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping I'll get to write more. So I, I, I'm guessing it's gonna it's gonna depend on what happens with these novellas with Tor.
So fingers crossed. Were short stories your first love? Yes. Um, Writing-wise, yes, short stories uh, is what I started writing in my teens, I guess. Uh, although um, I, I probably have got, or not, don't have them anymore, but I, I did start and not complete quite a few novels in my teens as well. And they all ended up in the cupboard and then eventually in the bin. And I'm sort of sad about that. In, in a way, I'd like to see them. But in another way, it's probably, you know, a good thing that they've gone. Um, short stories is what I started getting published in my sort of mid-twenties. And then I moved quite quickly on to novels. But I still I still do love writing short stories and novellas. Um, and so, actually, some of, some of my favorite things I've written have been novellas. And um, I, I think sometimes horror-wise, I think novellas can be the perfect length for a horror story. Um, and if... If I could make a decent living writing novellas, I'd probably do it quite happily. How hard was it to make that sort of first-time transition when you were started off writing short stories from short story to novel, or was it a fairly organic process? It was pretty organic going from short story to novel um, because at the time I, I was getting short stories published in the small press back in the uh, sort of at the late 80s. No, early 90s, I guess, mid, early to mid 90s in the UK. And these small, these small press magazines were sort of a hundred distribution and, and you'd get a copy as payment. So I was getting quite a few short stories published there. And my, my ambitions went beyond that. And I, I can actually remember sitting to write my first, first novel with a sort of view to getting published. The first novel after I'd started getting short stories published. And that was called Mesmer. And that, that was picked up and published, which was really quite, quite nice. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty organic, and I sort of I think I prefer reading novels, and and as as for writing, I'll I I've got no real preference. Um, I love writing novellas, but I I also think I'm the you know I enjoy writing the the story that um you know the I come up with a story idea and then it dictates the length it needs to be really. That's so I enjoy writing everything really. When you first started writing, and I'm going to assume based on whatever on your website and stuff, that you were doing it since you were a child, really. Were your influences back then when you were younger different from who your influences and who your heroes are now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's inevitable that changes through your life, really. I think when I was pre-teen, I was writing uh, disaster stories. Uh, I'm not really sure why, because up until I was nine or ten, I was reading... Uh, my favorite author is Willard Price. He wrote a series of adventure novels about uh, two two brothers going around the world collecting animals for their father's zoo, which probably isn't very PC now, but at the time they were they were wonderful novels. And he he sort of hit into a really great vein because some of them were action novels, some of them were adventure, some of them bordering on horror. There was one called Cannibal Adventure, which was uh, pretty gruesome in places for for a kids books. So I was writing. I was influenced by Willard Price then, and then when I was I guess 11 or 12, my mother gave me a copy of The Rats to Read by James Herbert, which uh, I was probably too young for it at the time. But, uh, you know, I, I tell anyone this and it didn't do me any harm, I don't think. And I think that introduced me to adult fiction and probably turned my head on to horror as well. I didn't really look back. So um, through my teens, my influences were James Herbert, Stephen King, Clive Barker. And then mid-teens, I sort of realized actually there's a whole world of great fantasy and horror that I'm I haven't even plumbed into yet um so 
it, it's difficult saying who my influences are now because there are so many I think I, I could I could choose five different people on five different days is there a particular novel or particular story that you go back to again and again reading reading yes. wise yeah um but is there one you go back to writing wise as well uh, well no I, I yeah I know what you mean yeah yeah um I, I think this is interesting I, I saw a question about this uh couple of days ago on Facebook I think somebody just asked which of the books you've reread the most and I had to really think about it because I I tend not to reread books that often because there's so many great books I'll probably still never get time to read I think probably I've read The Stand by Stephen King three times I think and I've probably read Lord of the Rings three times other than that um, only when I was a kid there was I read a book called Shadow the Sheepdog by Enid Blyton when I was seven or eight and I probably read it. Right. In fact, my sister's still got the same copy and it's fallen to pieces. Right. I probably read it a dozen times. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I reread a book. I, I, I lent out my cop- copy of The Stand by Stephen King, um, lent it out some years ago and didn't get it back. And I, I, I bought it again last year with a view to reading it again, but it's such a doorstop. And, you know, there are so many other great books. So, yeah, I don't really... I go back to authors. I don't necessarily go back back to the same book again and again. Which authors do you go back to the most? Um, I, I'm pretty pretty loyal to King. You know, I love him. Yeah. I still love his stuff. Um, he, he, I like anyone that produces so many books. I, I think he has his ups and downs, but uh, I think he's he's hitting a rich vein of, of great writing again at the moment. Um, Arthur Macken is a writer. He's a Welsh writer from the turn of the century who... Um, was you know has has been and still is a big influence for me I, I read his stuff quite often um big fan of dan simmons um shirley jackson uh and you know i love discovering new writers as well like uh, a few years ago i read my first john connolly novel and now now i really really love john's work and i'm sort of um rationing myself because i think he's probably i guess he's written 15 15 or 18 novels including his YA stuff and I, I've, I've read maybe half of them um, and another one is Ian Banks actually Ian Banks who, who yeah. unfortunately died about a year ago I'm a huge Ian Banks fan and there's still two or three of his novels I haven't read and I'm sort of loath to read them so that you know once I've once they're read they're read and they're gone and yeah. I just have to stop reading because he's bless him he's not you know he, he's gone now and he's not going to be writing anything else so yeah um, yeah, Ian Banks, I, I guess, you know, I, I revisit, like to revisit occasionally. Now tell me, what's the story you had to go back to again and again to write the most? Or what took the most um, out of you? Well, um, then there's always one, right? There's always one that's the hardest nut to crack. Yeah, and there's and I, I there's probably a load on my laptop that I haven't finished because I can't, because, um, you know, they they either don't work or... Um, or sometimes they're just not that good. You know, that happens. Uh, I'll, I'll come up with an idea and try and work it, and it, does, it doesn't work out very well. But I never I never delete anything. And, you know, that, that's a very modern thing to say. I'll never throw away a handwritten story, but now I never delete anything. Because um, I don't think there's any... There's no wasted work. And there's a, the, often things will come together 10 years down the line, and you'll I'll be scrolling back through files and folders and think like I was doing the other day I was looking at I've got a folder for YA ideas and 
there was actually a few ideas in there that I developed quite a bit that I'd almost forgotten about. So um, no work's ever wasted, I don't think. Um, I think, I guess the hardest story I ever wrote was, um, it was a short story called Discovering Ghosts. And that was about, my, my mother passed away 10 years ago now. And it took me um, a little while to be able to write about that. And that, that short story took the most out of me, without a doubt, because it's, you know, I don't think, I honestly don't think it was even cathartic. I think it was tough to write. And I've not, not really read it um, in one sitting since because it's, it's a bit too painful. But that that was the hardest thing I've ever written because it wasn't it wasn't written as an entertainment. It was written as a um, you know I had to write it. So yeah, yeah. So you've also done script writing work, haven't you? Yes, I've done a bit. Yes, yeah, yeah. What's um, that been like? That's been more of a I assume collaborative process. It it is in 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 several ways actually. The first. I guess the first commission scripts I did was with Chris Golden. Uh, we, we wrote a script based on, we wrote, wrote a series of novels called The Secret Journeys of Jack London, which were published in the States by HarperCollins a few years back. Um, and, he, and before they were published, they were, uh, the books were optioned by uh, part of 20th Century Fox, Fox 2000, and they, they hired us to write the script. So Chris and I wrote the script for them. Um, they instantly sacked us and got somebody else to write the next draft, which which, which happens. They do. Which happens all the time. You know, I went into it bright-eyed and green, and 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 Chris Chris had done a bit more script work than me by then, and he he said, oh, you know, they they'll hire us and then they'll sack us and hire somebody else. And I said, no, they won't. They're gonna love what we give them. We're gonna blow their socks off. And then, but they did. They they did that. So um, you know, like you say, it happens. It's the industry. Um, but also I've. I've written actually something quite different. It's a spooky animated kids film I've written for a UK producer and director. And although I, I wrote that um, myself, it, it, as you say, script writing is very collaborative and, and um, lots of notes from the producer and scripts, editors and, and various things. It's a completely different process, but I really like it. And I don't, I'm not, um, I'm not too precious about my script writing to think nobody can tell me what to do because a lot of the time the notes you get you actually think oh yeah actually they're they're right you know I should have I should have seen that and also I think because script writing isn't my you know I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm a novelist at heart really and script writing is just something it's a different type of storytelling that I haven't had so much experience in so um, maybe there's a confidence thing that that makes me very open to the collaborative process that it is. I do enjoy it though. And you've written movie tie-ins too, right? Alien, Predator, Star Wars. Were all these worlds, mm. you know, were you a fan of these worlds to start off with, which of course would make it you know, all the more fun to be able to play in them? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done sort of two forms of tie-in. I've done novelizations, which is turning a script into uh, a novel, and I've done Cabin in the Woods and 30 Days of Night. And they were both great fun to do. You know, they're both really good, I think, pretty decent horror movies. So, so I was very happy to do those. And then the tie-in stuff I've done, I've done Hellboy, Star Wars, Alien, Predator, uh, and I think that's it for now. Um, they're, they're all original novels set in those universes, and I am fans of all of those uh, franchises. You know, I'm a I'm a Star Wars fan. Um, Alien, huge, huge Alien fan. That was that was a great dream come true to write an Alien novel, and then three more. Um, and Predator, you know, he's fun. Uh, the only Hellboy I didn't 
know of at the time when, when again, Chris Golden was editing an anthology and he asked me to write a short story. I, and I knew of Hellboy, but hadn't read it. Um, so I started reading it and then devoured it and became a fan and, and ended up writing uh, two novels. So so I've been quite lucky with my time. The time work I'm offered is it's usually for stuff that I'm a big fan of anyway. So it's not really a trial. It's it's a pleasure to do. Now, these movie novelizations like Cabin in the Woods that you just mentioned, those must be an interesting little beast to wrangle because it's something that already exists in someone else's imagination that you're having to then almost reformat in a way. How do you go about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a it it should be a simple process, but it turns out that often it isn't. Um, uh, Cabin in I'm trying to think which one I did first. Actually, Cabin in the Woods was I think that was the second novelization I did, and that that was pretty smooth. Um, when I did 30 Days of Night, that was an interesting beast, like you say, because originally it was a comic that went to a movie that I had to turn into a novel. So it was almost three steps down from the original creator, which was a bit odd. And also, I remember um, I actually I actually started writing that. That was 10 years ago, because that, that was just when I went full-time writing. So my first two days as a full-time writer, I started writing um, 30 Days of Night. And then on day three, I had an email from the editor and I'd, I'd written, I think I've probably done about 8,000 words in those two days. Um, and I had an email from the editor saying, oh, we've just had the shooting script. You'll have to start again. So that was that was my inauspicious start to being a full time writer, right. been 8,000 words and start again. Um, and also, I, I, I seem to remember with that, um, I, I think it's, I, I did a pretty good um, adaptation of the script, um, but I, I changed some of the dialogue and cut some of it out. And um, my editor didn't notice that originally. He, I delivered the novel and he was over the moon. He really liked it. And then a few days later, he got in touch and said, oh, you've changed some of the dialogue. That'll have to go back in. Uh, so if anyone's listening who wants to do a novelization or or anything like that, just I, all I'd say is make, you know, get the parameters agreed with your editor before you start, because it's uh, it's probably different with different publishers and different studios, you know. But it is good fun, and I, it was good fun adding stuff to that book. I added a scene. Are you, are you familiar with the film, 30 Days of Night? I'm not as familiar as I am with Gavin in the Woods. All oh, right, okay. Well, 30 Days of Night is it's set in Barrow in North Alaska, which is, um, you know, certain times of year, there's no right. there's no daylight because, right. you know, the, and when because the... Because it's Alaska, right. Because it's Alaska, so so yeah. perfect place for vampire attack. Why yeah. didn't anyone think of that before? So, um, and I wrote a scene where a polar bear wanders into the the town while the, the, the vampires have taken over and then they stalk it and play with it like a cat would play with a mouse and kill it. And I thought it was a pretty cool scene, which would have looked great in the film if they'd done it, but they, they hadn't. But so, that's pretty cool that so, you get to add in those bits. Yeah, I, th- I, think, um, I think generally you can add stuff, but they don't like you taking stuff away because essentially what I'd be doing is taking away stuff that um, the script writer had written and you know I'm my name is on the cover but not very big I think right. with, with novelizations they, they come to you you know they they want it's the name of the film that's going to sell on the cover right. and, and who, who writes it probably isn't that important really so, so you have to be sort of less precious about your own ego when you're doing novelizations yeah but you, you know what you're doing when you're going in you get paid you know a flat fee um in fact, I think that one, I'm pretty sure that one hit the New York Times bestseller list, <laughs> right. which is quite funny, as did my Star Wars book. 
and and uh, you know they're not I don't own copyright on either of them because you know they're tie-in work but um, but it's nothing to complain about no it's not at all no it's really nice I mean that this the nice thing with tie-in work um, is especially stuff like Star Wars which has such a huge you know dedicated fan base rabid yeah. fan base nitpicky fan base it's a scary thing now. yeah it's a scary thing to venture into really because uh, you know a gazillion Star Wars fans will hit on you no matter what you do yeah and I had that yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> just as I many mean, but, that might like it will also you know there'll be as many who don't there were yeah my my book um, had I mean I had emails from people saying you've written you've written the best Star Wars book ever which was nice and I've had emails from people saying how could you do it it's a travesty it's terrible and I, I'd much rather that than not hear from people. You know, I think I'd, I'd rather have five star reviews and one star reviews than lots of three star reviews, as it were, because it shows you've moved people, whether you know, in positive or negative way. But it, it was um, apparently one of the first Star Wars novel novels with a female lead character, with a strong female lead. And I didn't realize that at all because when I was asked, because um, I like, I like writing. Um, I probably write more female lead characters than male, actually. And when I was asked to write the novel, um, I immediately said yes, because it's Star Wars and, you know, the payday's not bad. Um, and also, I was I was worried because I knew there was like 120 novels being published or something right. like that. So I thought, oh, if they if they drop me right in the middle of that, I'm going to have to read loads of Star Wars novels because I'd never read any. Probably a terrible admission to make now, but it was a few years ago I wrote it. Well, but luckily they want me... I'm safe now, hopefully, yeah, although I'm sure there's lots of Star Wars fans listening and they'll all start saying, what, you've never read any? And I'll be getting emails after this. But, um, yeah, but so, so they asked me to write the earliest novel in the Star Wars timeline. So it worked out great because my, my novel was set 25,000 years before A New Hope. So there was no, there was really no backstory other than the series of um, comics that, that had been published that my novel was based around. So it was a it was a really a really good experience. I really enjoyed. It was essentially me writing a space fantasy that just happened to be set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So it was, it was really good fun. I enjoyed that. Is that something you'd go back to if they asked you to do again? Yeah, I'd love to do another Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my main character, Lenore Brock, I I envisaged her in a trilogy of of novels. Um, that changed uh, very soon after I wrote the Star Wars book the Disney thing happened and then my my novel is now part of the Star Wars Legends um, series of books so it's not canon now so that you know they're, they're not going to be asking me to write another one in that in that world right. unfortunately in that um, in that arena but yeah I'd love I'd love to especially now that it's been resurrected so successfully um, and there's a long future Star Wars ahead I believe yeah I'd love to do that but now, you know, maybe I'd write an Indiana Jones book. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, how do you feel about that? I'm very ambivalent because I didn't like Crystal yeah, Skull. Oh, I thought Crystal Skull was terrible. But, yeah, um, it really was. Yeah, I'm, when I saw the news yesterday, I, I thought it I didn't tweak my excitement at all. I just, oh, right, they're making another indie. And uh, I just sort of wish they wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do love Harrison Ford. I think he's great value. He's a... He's a good actor and uh but do something else i think <laughs> I well, he'll do what he does as indie you know the way he does it 
Um, I think yeah. it's kind of second nature to him now, even you know, even as an older mm-hmm. indie. I think he'll he'll put it off just fine. He wasn't the problem with Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull was just it was just awful. It was, just <laughs> it was every it was just a bad film. It really was just a bad yeah. film, wasn't it? Yeah, it had its moments. And that other guy, that guy, the young guy, what's his name? She in the booth. Him from Transformers. Yeah, he was he's horrible. Terrible. He's terrible. Oh, so bad. Yeah. I think he just kind of killed everything for me. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a real shame. And I do, you know, I'm not I'm not ageist at all, but he's going to be quite an elderly indie, isn't he? If they make it in three years' time, I don't know how old Harrison Ford is. He's got to be, you know, he's going to be pushing eighty playing indie, is he? Yeah, but does that mean does that mean that they're going to stick in another young fool like Shia LaBeouf to sort of pick up the younger you know audience? Yeah, I think they'd have to. I think what Did I get his name right? It, is it Shia LaBeouf? Am I even getting it right? Shia LaBeouf, I think That's it is, a, yeah. It's a ridiculous <laughs> name. <laughs> it's a strange name, yeah. It yeah. is a strange name. Um, but yeah, I wonder if they do that, because that also sounds... It's a little worrying to me, because, again, it sounds too Crystal Skullish. Yeah, I, I reckon... Because uh, Spielberg didn't direct Crystal Skull, but he is directing this film. So Okay, so, so I, there's hope. I think they're looking at it as a sort of Force Awakens sort of re- not reimagining but uh let's start again new and fresh and good you know i'm hoping yeah. but i i think it'll probably be uh i'm sure it'll be harrison ford handing over the mantle to a young a younger protege maybe yeah maybe and it'll be another... you know and and if it's if it's like a woman of color i'll buy into it this whole thing all yeah, over again yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what it needs to be yeah maybe yeah. yeah all right so now you've written different sorts of horror uh, but what's your personal nightmare fuel? What's the one monster that can still destroy you as an adult? Um, it's family in peril, definitely. I mean, yeah. my, my my children in in peril and bad things happening to people I love and friends, and that um, that was definitely where my writing changed. My daughter's nearly eighteen now, and I think I can I can mark where my writing. I mean, it's quite a long time ago, eighteen years ago, but that that's where I started writing about stuff that really scared me and that's and i still do that now families in peril i've i've started writing thrillers and i had one out last year called the hunt and i've got one out this summer called the family the family man and they're they're both about um parents trying to protect well they're both about essentially men trying to protect their family who are in peril and husbands and wives protecting their children that that's, that you know scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I'm not not really scared of zombies or vampires or werewolves or monsters because you know at the most basic form they don't exist. Yeah. But um, you know horror stories where children are in danger, and also a, a sort of theme that is developed in my writing that I really don't like very much, and people have brought it to my attention is dogs in danger. Right. <laughs> I love dogs. I've got a I've got a big dog as a pet, and I, I I won't I won't name the book in case people haven't read it. But I, I killed a dog in a book recently, mm-hmm. and you terrible caused, person. You terrible. Person. I know it's awful, and it's a really but it's not it it's a horrible scene, and it was really tough to write. It's it's a, a father having to kill the family dog for certain reasons, and it was a really tough scene to write. And I've had more fuss about that scene than any of the disgusting things I've done to people in my right. books. Or the polar bear. Filled, yeah, or the polar bear. Poor polar bear, you know. I like polar bears. They're cute and not cuddly. But um oh God, I've killed I've killed I've done loads of apocalyptic fiction. I've killed 
billions of people in my writing and this one dog i had so many emails generally and, and even i think there's a review on amazon that says any book containing um cruelty to a dog one star so it's a one star <laughs> review because yeah you were just asking for that now that one star for that particular reason was, really. yeah. yeah but that's that's interesting <laughs> yeah. because i agree with you about the you know vampires and zombies and all those things aren't aren't worrying or aren't scary but until you become a parent and then if you read about a, a zombie novel or a you know vampire novel or anything of that sort and they throw in a family the family factor then you're just yeah. you know it's done you're done for because as much as you yeah. don't think that's scary you get start getting really stressed out because there's you know kids involved and you are a yeah, parent absolutely. and so you relate to that level of fear yeah totally yeah yeah and that that's what works that's 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 the the core of horror for me is yeah. it's not uh, it's personal horror it's because not, it becomes uh, anxiety right it becomes that like deep yeah. deep level anxiety yeah it's not cosmic horror or or you know the like the walking dead works i'm a yeah. big fan of the walking dead and it works so well because um and the zombies are almost incidental and they're becoming more so as, as the seasons go on they're just they're there for a bit of gore now you know or yeah. this, we haven't had a few head choppings in this one we'll do that it's the it's the violence between people and the protecting people you love that that makes that um program so compelling i think yeah and interesting what you say about becoming a parent because i remember watching the shining when i was in my early 20s and thought oh, that was a pretty pretty good horror film and then watching it again after i've become a parent and being utterly terrified yeah i you wasn't know. i wasn't actually scared of it when i saw it again in my early 20s i didn't think it was i was like okay yeah. fine i get i mean i see people are scared okay fine it's an old film i'm not that but then you become a parent and suddenly you i mean i haven't gone i can't i can't watch it again i couldn't go back and watch it again no it's very tough yeah when you when you you can put yourself in that place and put your kids in that place as well it's uh it's difficult yeah, yeah. or kujo for that matter kills me oh, just kills me every time yeah. <laughs> I haven't uh, haven't reread or watched that again for a long time, actually. But they changed, yeah, they changed the film, didn't they? That's right. Yeah. Well, I haven't actually seen the film. I never saw the film of that. The book just destroyed me so much that it was not something yeah. I, could, I could go to. But tell me, what's um, next they, for you? You have a novel coming out. You just mentioned the Family Man. Family Man is a is a my second thriller. It's out in the UK in August, I believe, from Avon. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's quite a. I mean, I wrote The Hunt last year, which was heavily based on I'm into endurance sport like marathons and Ironmans and triathlons and things like that so the hunt was basically me writing about what I know about running all day through mountains and wow. but with hunting you to kill you you know so it was um very action-packed uh novel and this and the family man is as well it's it's similar sort of vein it's um it's actually based on a conversation I had with a friend of mine a few years ago uh, after a couple of beers, which we didn't act upon. I will hasten to add now. But the conversation was we could rob a bank and nobody would suspect us because we're fine, upstanding pillars of the community. Um, it didn't go any further than that evening. Honest, my lord. Um, but the, the, the concept of this book is uh, two friends that do take it a bit further and they get into all sorts of trouble. And what else other than that? We've got the Assassin series out. Yeah, um, the Assassin series was out yesterday, I believe. The, the Pieces of Hate and Dead Man's Hand. And then Whisper of Southern Lights is out soon. Um, that's all edited and ready to go, I think. Um, I'm doing a trilogy of uh, alien and predator novels called The Rage War. The first one's out. The second one's out very soon. The third one's out at the end of the year. And then I'm, I'm also doing a trilogy with Titan Books, 
uh, of my own novels uh, called Relics, but the first one's not out until I think it's next April, uh, a year this coming April. So that's a, a way down the line. But there's always other stuff ticking over. I'm doing, I'm working on a couple of scripts and some new novel proposals. So still lots in the in the pipeline. All right. Well, that's all very exciting stuff. I hope we speak again when the uh, next lot of stuff is out. Well, yeah, I hope so. I'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.